welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig, and I'm once again joined by Laurie. Hello, Laurie. Hello. Thanks, Craig. Um, hello, everyone. Once again, we're going to have a look back over the SPL games this weekend and talk a bit more in depth about one particular incident in the Rangers Dunfermline game involving Sonia Luco, who uh, went down rather easily to win Rangers penalty. So that's caused a bit of uh, controversy over the weekend. So we'll discuss that and also look ahead to next week's games as well. And this week we're joined by Chris, who is a member of the forum under the, the name Psychoheart. And he can be found on Twitter under Chris1888. Hello, Chris. Welcome back. Hi, Craig. Hi, Laurie. Nice to be back again. All right. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Welcome. I thought I'd, I'd mention that last week I forgot that it was the 20th episode. <laughs> I've done the same thing with the 10th episode. I forgot and I only mentioned it on the 11th and I've done it again. Even though I had it written down a bit of paper in bold and circled. <laughs> and I forgot. Right, so Laurie, remind me, when it gets to the 25th episode, which you mentioned last week would be a special one, which takes place, I think it's uh, the last one this year. Or, Can you remind me, please? Yeah. Well, it's either the last one this year or the first one next year, depending on, on when we do it. But yeah, no, we'll have a special 25th. But that's a proper kind of anniversary, you know, that's a, a quarter century one. You know, it's, we don't need, you don't need to celebrate every 10. I think 25th, 50th. You know, those are, those are more important ones. I think we'll keep our eye out for those ones instead. So I thought we'd start off by looking back at the, the games last week. And the first game up is Celtic versus Atletico Madrid. And unfortunately, I have to admit that I didn't really see this one because I was busy. Chris, I assume you would have watched it? I was there, yeah. It was, it was good for the first half hour. I thought Celtic played pretty well. It's certainly a, a big improvement on... The, the previous sort of European campaigns, even when you look back to the, the first time we played Atletico Madrid, there was a sort of 10 minute spell in the second half over there that we, we looked okay. But I mean, we, well, for the first half hour, I thought we looked pretty good. And then we lost a goal. <laughs> and it was pretty much downhill from there. I think that the, uh, uh, the best way to sum it up is the heads went down, which is probably a bad point on Kyle. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a bizarre yeah, one, that, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, overall, I'd have to say, I'm I listened to to the the game on the radio whilst I was at work, so I was kind of missing bits here and there. And the overall kind of verdict was, like you say, it started they started well, but the majority of the game Celtic weren't especially great. But I think we have to take into account the, the opposition. And although in the past we'd maybe expect Celtic to to beat kind of or at least get something against any team at home, I think those kind of days are, are certainly past for now. And I think if Atletico Madrid, you know, you're talking. As I said last week, signing players for more than thirty million in individual players. Although in Spain they're certainly a big fry. I think in comparison to the Scottish football, they're difficult opposition. So I don't think Celtic can be too downhearted about it. But in terms of the goal, yeah, that was that was that was bizarre. You don't often see a player um, maybe not throwing themselves in front of the ball, but to actually duck out the way when you're in front of the keeper like that. I mean, he must have realised that there was a good chance it was going to go in. Because you're you're on you're on sight in your keeper then anyway so so is that how you seen it Laurie do you see it as I'm I'm ducking out of the way or misjudging it it's it's kind of hard I'll need to see it again I've I've only I've only seen it the once um and I I don't know if he would try stoop I know that maybe some people think he's trying to stoop to header it but yeah I th- I think that's what he was trying to do I I think there was certainly an element of he ducked to try and header the ball away and misjudged the flight of it there did seem to be quite a swerve in the ball. 
I mean, it's just not the type of player to, to dodge it, is he? And, well, I don't know if that was me. I think you would want to try and duck and, and try and take it in the, in the top of your head, which is going to hurt, but much better that than going in your face. Because as you say, Chris, it, it was moving a bit and maybe that was the, the safer thing for him to do. But I can't see him I'm taking that conscious decision to say, oh, get out of the way, this, this is going to hurt. I just can't see it from him. It's not really in his, uh, his makeup. He's not the kind of player that pulls out a challenge. So no. to, see, to imagine him ducking is just a bit weird. Yeah, so at least uh, there's still a chance the Celtic going through. Yeah, that caught me with a surprise coming out the ground. I thought we were out. But the now they'll draw with Ren and Udinese means we need, all we need to do now is go to Udine and win. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, at least there's hope. That's all you can hope for, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you'd given me the... The opportunity to still be within a chance of qualifying out of this group with the last game to be played, I would have taken your hand off because yeah. I thought we were going to get pummeled in this group. Yeah, especially with the start. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, Celtic have had so much issues. I mean, they've on a good run of form just now. But you know, when you're talking about going to places like Rugby Park and conceding three and and really, you know, they've they've had a few really poor results this season. And the way they played against Sion as well. The fact that they're still in it in this group against, you know, Udinese and Atletico Madrid anyway, I mean, that's two decent teams. You know, I saw Udinese against Arsenal and I thought over the two legs they were very unlucky to go yeah, out yeah. and yeah, Champions so League qualifying against Arsenal. And Atletico Madrid, um, very good Spanish team. Obviously, as I said, Spanish football, similar to ours, is dominated by two teams we just can't, can't really compete with, but they invest a decent amount in. In, in their team and they do seem to the Italian and Spanish teams it's not like in England they do seem to take the Europa League with a they don't completely dismiss it you know with like the Spurs playing kind of their under 12s or whatever in their games it's they do they do and still beating hearts it's, no it's the, it's the only game they actually played their full team was at Tancastle raging about that but yeah so I think the fact that they need to go and win it's maybe even helps them you know you know what you need to do there's no we can maybe do we need to just hold on for a draw just to avoid defeat? You know, you have to go there, win. Nothing to lose. I mean, if, if Celtic go there, go for it and they get beat 3-0, doesn't really change anything, does it? You've got nothing to lose. Go over there, give it a shot. And if you don't get through, I don't think anyone's going to be overly critical. The way that Rangers went out, Hearts have went out, Dundee United have went out, the way that Celtic went out first time around, <laughs> I don't think there's any going to be any shame if they go to Udinese and they get beaten. What, they, they're going to finish third in the group anyway still, aren't you? Uh, I think if Ren beat Atletico Madrid and we lose to Udinese, we can still finish bottom. Alright, oh, okay, well, uh, it's only Europa League anyway, so, yeah, no, not, yeah. Not, not, to, not to worry. you got to win in the group anyway, that's probably better than what many would have said, what it would have given you. Yeah, well, I mean, five points, a few bit uh, for the coefficient, can't really complain too much. Yeah. So looking back at the, the predictions, the I'd went for a 2-1 victory to Atletico Madrid. Laurie, you went for a 3-1 victory, and John, he'd went for a 1-1 draw. So moving on to the SPL, and it was the return of Friday Night Football, and it was Motherwell against Hibs that unfortunately had to be called off due to an electrical fire at the base of one of the floodlights. Apparently, what I read anyway, the fire had been put out, but they couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't happen again, and they couldn't guarantee that they they could keep the floodlights on for the, the rest of the second half. So, I don't know this. I'm sure there's a few unhappy fans after that got called off. 
Does any of you know if there was any refunds mentioned? Because I know that it, it reached half time. They tried to uh, delay the, the comeback to sort it out. But does that mean that they're not due any refunds and it's brand new tickets for the, the replay, if you like? It's possible. I know, I know a couple of seasons ago they had that, um, they done the United Rangers game, was postponed at half time due to the rain. Yeah. And the, the Rangers fans didn't get any refund for that, and there was a lot of complaints. So I could imagine they're not going to get much refund this time either. Did they, um, did they say there was 7,000 there? I don't know if I misheard That's that. That's the figure I heard, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they, they, it's a good turnout for a Friday night. They put a few offers on, yeah. I know that. Like, was it season ticket holders could take their friend for free, the Motherwell fans and things like that? So, yeah. It, it's unfortunate. I, I'm not sure what to to say about the the abandonment itself. I don't know if Mother will be one in one nil if they'd been so keen to do it. I, I don't know. Uh, it's neither <laughs> neither side. I'm only I'm only joking about that. But neither side seemed too angry about it. I think they both said they understood why it why it had to happen. And I suppose it's nothing really to do with the club. It it would be the the security, wouldn't it? And, the, and such would yeah. make that wouldn't be anyone. So it, it's it's unfortunate. One of these things that happens um, every now and then, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the game itself, uh, I mean Hibs will be pretty good because that would have been a obviously there was still a half to go, but would have been a cracking result if they if they'd held on to what they had, uh, winning one nil away at Fir Park and Fenland with his first game. So that's the usual sort of reaction that clubs seem to get, but yeah, a, an odd one. But I would say, other than the the abandonment, which had nothing to do with Friday night football, it was good to see a good crowd, obviously, in the club making some that you know putting some good offers on for the fans and the fans turning out. And I suppose if it hadn't been for that, maybe we'd be talking about another Friday night success. So it's just unfortunate that ha- happened to happen on this game. <laughs> Moving on to the the next game, which on the Saturday which the first game I thought we'd talk about was Hearts versus St. Johnson. Do we have to? Which finished <laughs> finished 2-1 to St. Johnson. From the, the reports I read that, that Hearts ranged from absolutely woeful for the majority of the match to, to dominating for the last 10-15 minutes or so. So, Laurie, were you there? I was indeed, yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard, it's, it's a difficult one, I think, because of the the stature I put that in in inverted commas um, of Hearts and the fact we're at home to St Johnston that yeah you'd be be expect us to to be creating a lot more chances and to be honest we had you know we had a lot of the ball we had most of the ball we kind of huffed and puffed for a lot of the game but all credit to St Johnston they came they got an early goal which which helped them it gave gave them something to defend and um, they were really Good solid. Goal as well. They were, yeah. It was well. It was a. It was, it was a bad goal for Hearts to concede from their perspective, but um, it was a good. It was a good finish by William Craig. It was a good, good finish, but I have no idea. What, it's one of these moments with the goalkeeper. I have no idea what he's doing going out there at all. You know, Webster's there. Whether Webster shouted for it or not, I, I don't know where Kello's going. It's he shouldn't be out there. It's a, a ball just kind of right, just at the edge of the kind of box sort of area to header it away, and he's inexplicable from a very good goalkeeper but yeah gave them some defend and they're very well organised they let us have a lot of the ball but in all honesty we didn't create a lot of decent chances and that was the problem you know they had some defend they came in and they looked more dangerous than us on the counter attack when they broke so I couldn't really argue with it and the annoying thing was when it went 2-0 we decided then to throw everything at them 
and we could easily have snatched at least a point because we got the the goal back, a really good strike from Meditao, and then Enkoen made a, a couple of really good saves at the end. I have to say, the kind of results at the moment aren't concerning me so much. I think off the field, I think it's undoubtedly affecting players, and it, so it would. You know, if, if, if you're turning up for your place of work and you're not getting paid, you know, you've got bills to pay as such and I know people yeah. say how much footballers earn but everything's relative I'm sure they have much higher bills than someone who earns a lot less so to have no pay coming in is is not good and there's a lot more thing a lot more things to worry about but I have to give St Johnson credit um Frugal said on the on the forum can I wait for the West Coast stroke Edinburgh bias uh, at sports scene going on about how bad hearts were probably carrying my <laughs> probably carrying mind who they were even playing but yeah, you've got to give St. Johnson credit, and they they played well, and they're very solid, and although it's not especially pretty, I don't think many teams can come to Tynecastle and as poor as we can play at the moment, you know, you still wouldn't expect a team who's solid as at hearts at Tynecastle. You, teams aren't going to come and rip us to shred, even Rangers when they came, they sat in, they let us have the ball, hit us on the break, and St. Johnson did that, that as well. We actually created a lot less against St. Johnson than we did against Rangers, so... It shows how strong and well organised they are. So they made a really good start on Steve Lomas. So disappointing from Hart's point of view. I think off the field is really starting to affect them. But great result for St Johnson. I can see exactly why they've went to places like Fir Park, Parkhead, Ibrox and now Tynecastle. And they've got good results. So all credit to them. Well, Ari, what did you think of uh, Hamill's penalty miss? Good, uh, good save or a bad miss? Uh, in between. Um, penalties are funny ones, you know, yeah. People often get criticised for when they miss a penalty if they roll it to one side and the keeper dives and saves it. But the exact same penalty, the keeper dives the other way and they say how calm they were, you know, just to roll it in. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's difficult to be honest. I only see the the absolute top players doing that, you know, hitting the side net and as they say, you know, you see the side net bulge. There's to be honest, most penalties you see. It's just a case of if the keeper goes the right way, there's a good chance he'll save it if he doesn't. I didn't think it was a bad penalty. I didn't think it was a, an amazing penalty. It was in between. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a good save. Oh, and yeah. I think, well, uh, Peter Enkelman's actually got a wee bit of history. He's had three penalties against him this season and he's saved two of them. Huh? The other uh, one was at Celtic Park. Yeah. So looking at the, the scores, I went for a, a 1-0 victory to Hearts. I had confidence, but obviously totally wrong. Laurie... You were worse because you you went for two 0 to Hearts, and John had went two one to Hearts, so we were all wrong. Yep. The next match up is Kelly against Aberdeen, and Craig Brown's woes worsen as they now sit bottom of the SPL after getting beat two 0 with Kenny Shields following up the the brilliant victory against Rangers with the three <laughs> points that. Well, apparently he told his players that it meant nothing last week if they didn't get the two, the the three points in this game. So he managed to get that one. Did either of you watch it? I saw the highlights. Just the highlights. Yeah, um, good win for, good win for Kilmarnock and um, yeah, Aberdeen's plight doesn't seem to be getting any better this season. To be honest, uh, as I highlighted in a an article on the on the site today, bit of a plug there. That's uh, a good article, Laurie. I think you should plug it we, uh, a wee bit more than that. I looked at well, I looked at um, obviously the this was a year. It was a year ago, almost exactly a year ago that they parted company with Mark McGee, and obviously Brown came in, and ironically, it was Kilmarnock at Rugby Park who uh, was the last game for Mark McGee, and ironically, they lost two 0 as well. 
and it just seems like a year down the line. I, although obviously it's one game, you can't just tell in one game. But I don't really know how far. I don't see that much improvement. I mean, I think they have progressed slightly, but was that that hard? Could it got any worse than what it was under McGee? And in fact, they were second bottom at the time McGee left in the table, um, just ahead of Hamilton on goal difference, and now they're bottom at this point under under Brown. They've both only won three games. And it seems that, I mean, there is no Hamilton this season. I'd, although I fancied Dunfermline to end up being the ones down the bottom, they don't look like they're going to struggle as much as Hamilton did. They've already got three wins. Hamilton only got five the whole of last season. And without Hamilton in there, I don't see an obvious one to get cut adrift. Uh, we have been saying every week that Inverness are a lot better than what the results have been saying as well. And yeah, I agree, yeah. They got the result this weekend that maybe the, the play has merited recently. So... I know everyone keeps saying, you know, teams like Aberdeen can't go down, Hibs can't go down. I look at Aberdeen and I just don't see much quality in their team at all. And, you know, Brown has often said, though, needs time to build his own team. He's in the top uh, He's in the top half of serving managers. Six of the managers in the league have served less time than him at their clubs now. I know a lot has changed this season with, obviously, there's been a lot of turnover. Six of his starting 11 on Saturday were his signings. Only two of them were Mark McGee signings. You know, a few have been a bit longer. Likes of Considine have obviously been there. Lang, um, Langfield, rather. Considine and Foster have obviously been there for quite a while. And uh, I just think he's brought in players who just don't look like they can cut it at all. They've had an obvious deficiency at fullback areas. They've got Foster back, who's improved that slightly. But he's, I don't has Brown even signed a fullback? You know, they've, they've struggled that for a while. I, has he brought a fullback in in the year Not he's been there? Off. No. And I, not, not now, not not anyone who's at the club just now. So it's like, I don't know. I just think, although I don't know if Aberdeen will let it get to the stage that they do get relegated, I think Brown's really got to turn things around and turn around quickly because they're at the bottom of the table. And I don't know if it looks like underperforming from players who are better. I just don't know if the players are that good, to be honest. No, I, mean, I was hearing on um, the phone ends on Saturday night about uh, some of the fans wanting to bring back Jimmy Calderwood. I think um, Hazer on the forum was saying he'd heard about John Collins possibly coming <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, that seemed an odd. I don't know where that comes from. But yeah, uh, Jimmy Calderwood, he had a, a very good record at Aberdeen. And well, I think I'm sure there's going to be some fans looking back and, and wondering maybe why they wanted rid of him because he was consistent in the league. He was he, he didn't threaten them with relegation. He maybe didn't win them cups, which was suggested on the forum. I don't know if it was JB mentioned it, that maybe that's what the Aberdeen fans, Aberdeen board wanted, was some cup success, and Calderwood wasn't giving them that. But the league's, the league's where it's at, really. As, as long as you can survive in that, I think you're, you're doing your job, especially as manager of a team like Aberdeen, who, let's face it, they're not going to be challenging for the, the top two. They're not going to be challenging for the top three. So to survive is surely a good enough job. And so I think they are going to regret getting rid of him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to compare it in some ways to the Caldwell because he did have a lot more money to spend. Um, obviously, you know, you're talking mainly in wages, but it was a different sort of time. But I think, yeah, their, their expectations were a bit high because, you know, getting Aberdeen to Europe, I think... I've said it many times in the past, I think Aberdeen sometimes live on past glories too much and they can't expect uh, to be up there all the time. I think they should be a lot better than bottom, though. I think this is the thing with Brown. 
they should they, they often cite the fact that they've got a lot less resources now than they did under Caldwood. Exactly, they do. That's correct. Aberdeen shouldn't if Aberdeen shouldn't expect they should have to finish third, fourth. They should at least be in a top six though, because I mean I don't have any figures in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they're still in the top five or six wage budgets in the league, from what I understand. You know we never get these figures until a year later usually, so that may well have changed slightly, but I'd certainly say that they're in the top half of, of wage budgets. So they should be doing better than what I do. And I mean, you look at, say, his overall record now, 46 games in, he's actually lost more games than what McGee had after 46 games. And again, I'm not, I don't think McGee was better than Brown. I think McGee is obviously statistically the worst manager in Aberdeen's history, his overall win ratio. And, you know, I'm, I'm mentioned after 46 matches, he had a few matches after that. He went on an appalling run to get sacked in the end. And I don't think I would, I, the big surprise was that he actually lasted as long as he did. But, you know, I, I think Brown should be doing better. And, you know, everyone does cite there is underlying issues at Bataudry. And I think there probably is. It's the same at Hearts, you know. Amazing underachievement, really, that the budget that they have at Hearts, that they that they are where they are and that they can't, they should, third should be a given with the budget they have. But there's obviously big problems behind the scenes right now, especially. And I think, whilst not quite as bad at Aberdeen, I think there's certainly some underlying issues that are causing problems there. But I just think he's got to do better. And if things don't improve drastically, then will they have much option but to, to change things? If Aberdeen are sitting bottom come January, I, I don't know. They, I don't know if, I, could Aberdeen afford to go down? I don't know if they could. You had that with, they talked about Kilmarnock a couple of years ago and Calder would kind of save them from going down. And they basically said they couldn't afford to go down. That would have been the end of things if they went down. I think Aberdeen are feeling the pinch. It's possible they've even taken their eye off the ball when it comes to the team because they'll try to get this new stadium built up there. Yeah, wouldn't be the first team, wouldn't be the first SPL team to take the eye off their the playing staff as they they work on the stadium. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting though that the fans, as I see it anyway, they haven't really turned against Craig Brown, mm-hmm. whereas well, they they quite vocally turned against uh, McGee and. The media as well seem to turn against them. And it, it's only very recently, it was only really after I read your article, Laurie, that I, I went on the BBC and seen another article that was that seemed to be highlighting the, the woes that, that Brown's facing. And it's just I just find it interesting that maybe it's McGee was a, a little bit up himself. He, he liked to mention his, his record on Wikipedia. Whereas <laughs> Brown's maybe... He's maybe a more likable chap. Well, I think, I think as I'm as I've said, I think Brown is lucky in a way that if you take over, a, you know, Aberdeen were were so bad when he took over. You were if you're so far down there, you know, if it's that bad, that the fans' expectation has gone down that much that it can only get better. If if that makes sense, you know, the, the only way is up. Sort of. So, just staying up was improvement. Whereas when McGee took over, I think they maybe still had. But higher expectations. It's like anything. You don't want to take over. You know, the worst kind of job to take over, although it sounds odd, is a team if they're doing really well. Maybe their manager moves on because then the only way is down. You know, you'd expect it yeah. to continue. If a team is that down and out, if they're if they're doing that awful, you know, they were joint bottom of the league. They were on a horrendous run. You know, they couldn't buy a point at the time, let alone let alone a win. And they'd lost nine nil at Celtic. And no matter, you know, no matter what country it is, how big the team is you're playing to lose it. Nine nil in a professional yeah, football top flight game. That is, I mean, that that is humiliating. That is, and it, you wouldn't even get that if Celtic were playing against say, a third division. Yeah, because you know, because yeah. usually, well, I suppose 
maybe sometimes that that's a degree of sympathy when they get to a few goals and they want to they don't want to rub it in too much. But yeah, I you, think so. Yeah, you don't you don't see that. But it was I mean that is that is sort of the horrendous ones that will never go away. And I mean there was no option to get rid of McGee, but I think I think he's maybe living off the fact that he has improved things. But but then it's saying well. Could any of could anyone have came in and not improved Aberdeen from where they were? It's one of those things where you know you expect a reaction. Could it have got any worse? They were basically, I mean, they were bottom of the table. Just goal difference was keeping them above it. I mean, Hamilton were appalling last season as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably why he's been given a bit more time. But it won't last forever. I think can't really hide behind he's not been in the job long enough or the resources or whatever because you know that well that's the whole SPL just now. No one's got much money, yeah. <laughs> you know. Managers don't get much time, so I think I don't think it'll last forever. I think he'll get a bit more time. I think he probably deserves a bit more time. But if come January, if Aberdeen are bottom of the table come January, I'll be surprised if they don't change something because I don't think Aberdeen could really afford to to go down. I don't think they'd, they'd go out of business as such, but it would be a disaster for a team like Aberdeen to go down. Yeah, I think one person in this that'll be enjoying it, and, and not because it's Aberdeen, but more because <laughs> it's Craig Brown, is Greg, our regular oh, guest on the podcast. Well, as well as He's Greg. He's going to be rub, <laughs> rubbing his hands in glee. Yeah, well, as well as Greg, Japes on the forum says, Rangers at the top, uh, the sheep at the bottom, Carlsberg don't do league tables, but... <laughs> and then that was followed by a, a smiley face, so... Yeah, for for some reason, I I would I've never would never guessed that Rangers fans were would uh, would be pleased to see Aberdeen down there. Brightpod says as well that was effing nonsense. Can't see Bruner turning this round now. So that's um, an Aberdeen fan saying he, he can't see Brown turning it around. So maybe he won't get as as much time as maybe he needs to to turn it around if he can at all. Looking at the the predictions for that game. The, the match itself finished 2-0 to Killy. Mm-hmm. I went for a 3-0 victory to Killy, so I would have got one point in the predictor. Laurie, you went for a 3-1, so again, another one point, and John was a, a little bit more confident for Killy, and he went for a 4-0, so that would have been another one point. The The next match-up is Rangers against Dunfermline which on the face of it, I thought it was going to be a, a fairly easy victory for Rangers, but Dunfermline proved that they, well, I suppose backed up their, their performance against Celtic. They did the same there, the, the same scoreline. Celtic had dominated that match just as Rangers did in this one, but they just couldn't kill it off. And right now Rangers just can't seem to buy a goal, at least from open play anyway, and they had to benefit from a a dodgy kick out that ended up in a, an own goal and uh, a very suspicious penalty <laughs> claim from Aluko that we'll discuss in a bit more depth later on. But, well, who knows if there's a touch there. Who knows? But yeah, as I said, oh, who I knows? Yes, I, I'm keeping it open just now because we'll discuss it later. We'll, we'll discuss I it. Rangers, yeah, I, I thought Rangers were, were really good, especially in the first half. I thought they, they dominated play. But... They just—I I don't know what's wrong. They just simply can't—they can't put them away. They can't—can't really get many shots on target. They're just—they're just missing something, and I think that something is Naismith. I'm impressed with Aluko. He seems to take on players, but I don't know—don't know something's missing. I was impressed with Bendixson 
he didn't last the full match, which is expected really because he's just come into the team. But I thought he was really good at linking the play between the, the midfield and Jelovic up front. I thought he had some nice skills under his belt and he, he didn't overuse them as maybe could be expected from somebody so young and maybe so excited at getting into the, the team. I thought the the formation itself was a little bit suspect. I thought uh, Aluko and Wild they seemed to be told that they could roam free, they could maybe switch sides when they wanted. And I think that led to the, the goal for Dunfermline because Whitaker ended up pushing up a little bit too far up field, which he'd done quite a few times because there was nobody really on that wing because Aluko had went a wee wander and it, it left the gap open for Dunfermline to break and score. So overall, I think Rangers did deserve the three points, but I don't know, I think they're going to have to do better than this in coming weeks because Team Stronger and Dunfermline are going to score more than one and put them under pressure. Yeah, it was a bit of a, had a bit of deja vu. It was uh, Dunfermline going to, to Glasgow and and <laughs> the home team dominating for a while and not taking our chances, yet at the end, the hosts were running down the clock uh, to unhappy cries from their own fans, apparently. So, yeah. Well, you should have seen Lafferty tried to drag the ball into the corner, and the cries for him to not do it, or oh, because it happened against was it St Mirren? Yeah. Where he went into the corner, lost the ball, and it led to a goal. So Lafferty was dragging it over, and he straight away, as soon as he heard the cries, he stopped and ended up passing it back. Well, no, that's a good point. I was I was referring to the Celtic game actually because they they were the same against them, and completely battered them for. For, for a long, long periods of the game and you're 2-0 up and cruising and suddenly Dunfermline scored and yeah. by the end of the game Celtic were running down the clock and I mean I I didn't see any of the run down the clock but it was Black Dog on the forum said Rangers running down the game and the Bears are not happy and he put not in bold so I presume that they weren't <laughs> so, it was booze especially at the full time whistle yeah. but yeah so it was one of those where any, I mean any team gets nervous because I don't think it matters who you're playing or, or how much you've dominated at one goal difference I think th- there's always a chance anyone can get a goal whether it's a fluke a deflection and Dunfermline did get that one chance near the end they could have nicked it there was a good clear, free header from a corner which um, I can't remember who it was who, who had the header but it just went over I think it might have been was it Keddy who was it him who scored the own goal was that his name? Yeah yep. Yeah it was, it was Keddy that had that header and he was, he was trying to make up for the the well, I suppose it wasn't really his fault. The no, goal. I don't think anyone could have done anything about that, whether the keeper or him. I, I just, it's just what happens is the keeper he has to kick it away. What was Gallagher doing? Nothing do? else he can do. No, but he, did you not think the way he kicked it, it seemed really kind of nonchalant. He kind of just sort of, I just, they just kind of swung at it really casually. It was, I thought it was really odd. I, I thought he would either boot it to the right or get right around the ball out to the left. But he kind of just. Seemed, he, he seemed quite indecisive and he just in the end sort of like he didn't hit it very hard either he sort of kind of just didn't seem to know what to do so he kind of hit the ball half-heartedly it was really odd and he's a very good keeper I think Paul Gallagher but you know that's kind of inexplicable an error like that but we will as you say we'll speak about the Luco <coughs> incident more <laughs> when we went through the, <laughs> the games but yeah I, I certainly don't think there's much doubt about it but ultimately it's three points and I think that's the way that they've got to look at it. And they did, on the balance of play, no matter how uh, goals came about, <laughs> dodgy decisions and dodgy uh, own goals, I think that on the balance of play, Rangers certainly seemed to have enough of it to merit the victory. And I think the way you got to look at it, it was three points. 
Yeah, I think if you're coming off the back of a, a draw and a defeat, you just you take the three points however you get them and move on. So looking at the predictions, the well the final game finished two one to Rangers. I went for a two 0 victory to Rangers. Laurie, you copied me, went two 0 as well. And John had went one nil. The next matchup is St Mirren against Inverness, which finished two one to Inverness. And I don't know if you watched the highlights on the, the BBC, but I thought I'd mention Terry Butcher looking a little bit too tall for the dugout. <laughs> don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> he seems a little bit too tall for many dugouts. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Um, I can't think of top of my head noticing it, but he's no, he's no a short guy. He's about 6'4", is he no? He's no, he's, he's, he's no midget, so I mean, he's... <laughs> no, no. I thought it was a good result for Inverness against a, a very decent side this season, St Mirren. So, so yeah, fair play to Butcher getting the, the three points there. I think uh, Johnny Hayes has got to take some credit for that, the winning goal. That was There was a nice curl on that, which beautiful went to the, the bottom corner. Cracking goal, cracking finish. I, I like him as a player. It's one of, the, one of the reasons I've been surprised, a lot of us have been surprised at where Inverness were on the table because they've got a few good exciting players and you've got Hayes, um, Tansy as well, another another player who looks quite decent. So yeah, a good win for Inverness. I think um, it's sometimes hard to tell in the highlights. They did look like they maybe edged it. And uh, Stephen Thompson, I was listening to the day after, Samirin striker and goal scorer said that they definitely deserved it, which usually means if one of the if the Samirin player is saying that they did it, the ICT deserved a win, then I think they. Probably did. Uh, some more awful defending <laughs> by St Mirren, I think. I, we didn't mention it in the Aberdeen game, but some Sunday league defending by Aberdeen for the first goal, and there wasn't much better from McCausland and St Mirren for the, the opening of Renes goal. It doesn't do that. Second week McCausland's done that, actually, because it was him that gifted Celtic the first goal last week. I think sometimes that's the... they done it. they done that at... Um, the first game as well, didn't they? When Celtic went to St Mirren Park, I remember them. Yeah, just... yeah. But I think we, we were pretty much gifted three goals in the first twelve minutes of that game. Now only two of them stood because we only them for some bizarre reason chalked off an Anthony Stokes one. It's one of the, I think, one of the problems with this um, keeping the ball on the ground and trying to play like Barcelona and playing it from the back. Unfortunately, I think sometimes we have to realise our our limitations <laughs> and. Some players trying to when you've got it's fine when you've got PK or so you can give the ball to the back, but I don't know if Mark McCausland is who you want playing cross field balls across the back line. In fact, yeah. you never. I mean, you're talking like in the Aberdeen game we didn't mention it, but what do you get told even when even when I was playing primary school football? You don't let the ball bounce. Ball comes up top, let the ball bounce. What do they do? Let the ball bounce. What do you also never do? Never play it across your own goal. Never do that. You don't play it across there because. If a player's running in, it's hard to judge it, the weight of it. And sometimes, you know, the SPL does get a bad rep. And I do like to defend it. But when you see defending like that, you just think, oh, I, I could easily be watching a pub game and I would be very critical of pub players doing that. So it doesn't do us many favours. But yep, um, all credit to Inverness. They got the win. And as Chris says, it was a cracking goal. I was going to mention that as well. Beat me to the, beat me to the punch there. But I thought it was a, a fantastic goal right in the corner as well, which... We didn't always see from these SPL players, but it was pinpoint postage stamp bottom corner. So looking at the, the predictions from last week, I went for a 2-1 victory to St Mirren. So uh, totally wrong. Laurie, you were just as bad. You'd went, you went for a 2-2. That's not just draw. bad though, but that's not just as bad. 
you, no, no, no. you picked the team that got beat. I picked the draw. That's they're both wrong, but you can't say that's just as bad. That's that's slightly. All right, all right. Well, well John was he was the worst because he he went for two 0 to St Mirren. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the the end of the the Saturday games and the televised game on Sunday was Dundee United against Celtic, and to be honest, I watched it and I thought. I thought the game was terrible. I thought Dundee United themselves were terrible. I thought Celtic weren't that much better. Celtic did deserve to get the three points, yes. But but yeah, I just a terrible game of football for me. Yeah, I I, I have to agree. I think we played for twenty minutes, got the goal. Maybe should have had a second. We're unlucky not to get one in fifty seconds actually. Oh, uh, surprisingly, that, yeah, yeah, Samaras, aye. That was that was a terrific ball. Stokes was, was inches away for getting it. But um, I think like Gary Hooper took his goal well. It was a, another a good finish into the corner. Took a bit of skill to get in the, in the position to uh, hit it. Uh, Forrest had another chance a couple of minutes after that that he hit straight at Pernis. I think the, the goalkeeper shut the angle well, so I don't think there's, there's too much criticism there. But after that, both teams kind of failed to hit the target. It's not often that... I mean, I listen to the game on, on the radio and it's not often that you turn the game off on the radio because it's so dull, but I did because... All the all I heard was the commentator saying this is. Some actually referred to this as one of the worst games I've ever seen, and they actually there was a few mentions that this is the worst they'd ever worst Dundee United performance they'd ever seen as well, which was quite a strong statement considering the big games where Dundee United have lost heavily. But apparently they offered nothing, and after a while Celtic stopped offering anything. But they'd obviously got the goal, so they didn't necessarily need to. I don't really think Dundee United were too bad. I, I think it was more like, because they couldn't hit the target, they never really troubled Fraser Forster. Um, and then like, our defence kind of cleared it a couple of times and it was a last-ditch defending. I don't think Dundee United were too bad. I mean, the positives, the positives, another clinical finish from Hooper, he, he does it well. And I thought Forrest looked bright from, from what I saw, obviously. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think Victor Wanyama's certainly grown into being a, 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 a key pick for the, the first 11 these days because um, not only can he play in the midfield alongside Kyle, who seems to be getting better again, but he, when Glenn Leuven's went off, he dropped into defence and basically showed things up there as well. Did you see his face? Leuven's yeah, he didn't, taken off. he didn't look too happy. I was going to mention that. He didn't, and he, Lennon seemed to have to point to him uh, just, just the way he said, doing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why because a couple of minutes before that, uh, Kyle was getting treatment, and at the same time, Glenn Lovins was down getting his legs stretched as if he had cramp. So I think yeah. he was just tired. But yeah, I think uh, I agree about Wanyama looking a, a decent player, and and I think with the uh, way Brown coming back from injury and with Key also challenging, I think it would probably be best to push push him back in the defence because I think he does that job quite well. I think he's he's better in midfield. But, but what a bonus for a team to have such a, a decent player on the ball in defence. Somebody who can uh, start moves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting about uh, BFD. But yeah, yeah, I think when Yama, I can see him taking the, taking the position beside Mostorovic because, well, Brown, you'd, you'd expect him to come back into the, the starting eleven. Now that he's he's got the injury behind him, once he gets maybe another another substitute appearance and he gets a, a little bit more match sharp, and Key as well, he's going to be fighting and, and possibly ahead of Wanyama, despite Wanyama playing so well. So yeah, that's how I see it anyway. But 
I think, I think Wanyama's been earning his, his place in the first team, but I think you're right. They might end up dropping back into defence to fit these, all these players in. I think we've, we've almost got too many midfielders at the moment. Yeah, and then you've got Ledley as well, who's, who's sometimes having to fill in at left-back just, just to get a game, really, just to stay in the park. Well, it's either that we play El Caduri, and I don't think he's uh, exactly set the header on fire. No. <laughs> Aye, well, he did score a goal against Rangers. Does that not buy you some time? I will. That was that was right. that was. Uh, that didn't even buy him at the end of the game. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that was another Al McGregor howler. That's he can't count these goals. Is she? I mean, she just gave him Al McGregor. I mean, that's what he. he I want to say he's quite. I want to say McGregor's getting quite holy, but people might take offence. Oh, holy goalie! Another one. <laughs> Had enough of that already. Well, reaction to forum. Charlie Boy just says that will do Celtic. Uh, Black Dog says, "What can you say apart from a deserved win? Dundee United were so poor." Roll on next weekend. Grumpy old man. Not the best performance, but three points will do nicely. So, again, Johnny Robb, three points. Job done, but poor game. Both teams guilty of lack, uh, guilty of lacking quality, and some of the passing was atrocious. Wanyama was excellent, though, which reiterates some of the the comments of, of you both there. So I think that's kind of the general consensus is that, well, the same as Rangers often do is it's, not the greatest performance, not great to watch, but they scored more goals in the opposition. And I mean, I think a clean sheet is probably important for Celtic, especially away from home. It's decent to Yeah, I that. mean, that's their first clean sheet against Dundee United in quite a while. We never got one against them at all last season. Uh, well, it's yeah. a difficult place to go, yeah. So that's us covered all the, the games of the weekend. I thought we'd go back and discuss Sonny Aluko and his penalty claim against Dunfermline. Dive. It's a dive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was he was running down the wing. He decides to cut inside, head towards the goal, and I thought he was he was lucky to stay on his feet as he was running into the box. I thought the Dunfermline player, I don't know his name, was all over the back of him, but he managed to stay on his feet and he went in the box and well he ended up falling over in a theatrical fashion. And I have to admit, when I seen so it, so try to dress it up. <laughs> he didn't dive; he <laughs> fell over in a theatrical fashion. Okay, <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm saying it how I seen it from the start to the finish. So when I seen it live, I thought, "Yep, penalty." The way he's went down, he's definitely been clipped. Even when I seen the the, the replay, I'd say I seen the replay quite a few times. And every time I was saying, mm, it looks like he's maybe been clipped. I don't think he's been tripped enough to send him down in that fashion. But I, I think he has been clipped. He's, he's just made the most of it. But the more I see it, I, the more I think, no, there's been no contact there. And he's he's dived, really. I think the, the telling point was he fell over. And it looked like he'd almost kicked the ground as he was <laughs> falling over. So... This morning I was probably eighty twenty saying he had been clipped, but now I, I'm, Are I'm you swearing. Yes. Are you having a... I'm swearing. No, <laughs> on, no, I'm 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 being honest, and but now but now I'm I'm totally switched the other way. All right. And I think I think he did dive. I just when I was looking at the the replays, none of the replays seemed to to be conclusive. Because no, I, I, I agree with you on that one. I don't think any of the replays properly show whether there was actually contact or not. When I saw it in real time, before even the replay, I was like, you dive. <laughs> I thought it was a straight dive. I let, can, I just, can I just make one point? I've made it before when we talked about this. Just because someone gets touched doesn't mean it's not a dive. 
I, I don't know. People seem to have this idea that it's just, as long as there's contact, you can go down. Maybe that's the way things seem to go. But in my eyes, you can still be a dive if you get touched. If you throw yourself down, if the touch wasn't enough to send you over, then it's still a dive. Christoph Berra against Czech Republic, as much as the Czech uh, penalty was a dive, Berra dived as well. And that's like, like dragging your foot along someone who's on the ground and falling over, that's a dive. If someone touches you, you keep running, then fall over, that's a dive. Aluko dived. As soon as I saw it, real time, that's not how you fall over. He, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. Whether the player touched him or not, Aluko took another stride, and then it's not how you fall over. It's not a natural fall. Yeah. Same as like, no. I think I think that extra stride is the key point, though, because there's there's a definite distinction between the challenge going in, a local taking a step, and then deciding he's going down. Yes, yes. I think I, I brought up there when I was describing how he ran into the box. I think the the Dunfermline player that was behind him, uh, this was outside the box. He seemed to be all over the back of him and. Although he wasn't clipping his heels or anything, I think maybe that Aluko had that in his mind that, look, I was getting uh, maybe fouled outside the box. Maybe I should have made more of that rather than powering through and getting into the box. And when he did get into the box, he seen the, the challenge coming in and just thought, right, well, I'm going to take this because I deserve maybe a free kick outside the box. So I think that preyed on his mind a little bit. Yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, what would have been good to see is a good referee would have taken it back to outside the box and given the free kick there because that was definitely a foul. Mm-hmm. I think I think yeah. football needs to I think needs to take a look at it in general. I've I've said it before. I think there's there's a problem with this attitude that you know we go over replays, we get zoomed in and we're slow motion to see. Oh, was there a brush? I think he might just have. You can see that his shirt moves a wee bit. And it's like, if you have to go to that the extent, then surely that wasn't going to be enough to, to take them out. And it's just like, we have this yeah. attitude that if there's any sort of touch, if they've brushed them, if, you know, if maybe their long sleeves went and touched his shorts or, or whatever, something just nicked them that that must be a foul. Then, But in my eyes, it's not a foul. You can, it's a contact sport. You know, we're, we're playing football. We're, Players are going to touch each other. That sounded wrong. But <laughs> contact is going to be made between players, whether it's shoulder to shoulder, foot to you know feet or whatever. I just think it should be a... It's a penalty if they, there's a touch that the touch is enough to take them down. And I think we have this attitude that... And I don't think... It, I, I think Aluko's one, I think it's a blatant dive. I think it was quite a bad one, to be honest. But there is this attitude in football. You see players in... Like the keeper, it's always the keeper one. You know, the keeper slides out and you see the player will hang his, his foot for as long, as long as he can along the ground to, to make sure it touches the keeper and then yes. roll over yeah. him. And Everyone gives a penalty for that and no one bats an eyelid. To me, that's again, that's dive to me. You know, if someone's, if, what if someone's lying on the ground, does that mean a player can run out of the box and throw himself over the top of him? If, if Templeton goes in the box and I see and he gets and he gets a slight touch and then he throws himself down... Personally, I don't think that's a penalty. I don't care if it's it's a Hearts player or if it's Hibs player, Aberdeen player, Rangers player. But at the same time, if it doesn't get given, then I know for a fact that there's a good chance if it happens the other end that it's going to get given because referees give it. I think overall, I don't know how people approach it, but I think there needs to be something in rules that we can start allowing referees to not give penalties. It's not just this obsession with if there's any sort of contact. Because otherwise... People aren't going to tackle at all because they're going to be worried that as soon as they 
get that near a player that they're going to go down and it's a penalty and people will justify it because there's a touch. But, I mean, I've played football to no great level, but I know it, it takes a lot to knock you over usually. I understand if you're running fast and someone clips your heels, that can take you out. But in the box, if someone goes past you, tries to tries to take you out, it takes a lot to knock you down. And whilst I understand sometimes if you put off your stride, you know, you can stay on your feet, it can still be a foul. There's another problem. How many times do you see it? A player goes past the defender, the defender kind of clips him, he stumbles, tries to stay on his feet, tries to keep going, doesn't get doesn't get the penalty because he's staying on his feet. And that's just encouraging him to go down. Yeah, I don't know if that's to the fault of the referee there. Well, so because... I, mean, I think you maybe have to, it has to be addressed overall because I think players cannot go down and it can be a foul in my eyes. And in the same way, there can be contact and it can still be a dive. And I think that too often we, we see it too black and white. If there's a contact, it's a penalty. That's, you know, that's it. Standard. And I just... Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just keeping it simplistic for referees because to, to judge whether it, there's a touch or not seems to be difficult after seeing the, the replay from the weekend. But it's it's a lot easier than trying to judge whether that touch was sufficient to knock them over because there's so many factors involved. Uh, the speed, the the guy's natural balance, uh, what foot he's on. There's so many things come into play, and I, I don't know. I just think that maybe that's too difficult to judge. Well, I don't. I don't think it's to agree. I mean, some players are better than others, but I thought Aluko that it looks like a dive straight away. I think that looks like a dive. He doesn't go down naturally at all. You can tell he's thrown himself down. Same with O'Connor's one. I think, Same with O'Connor's yeah. one. You can tell that that's not the touch. Okay, put it this way. You can tell that the contact isn't what's thrown him down. I don't think he was touched exactly. anyway. But even yeah. if he had been touched, you could tell that that wasn't what make it, made him go down. And that makes it a dive in my eyes, no matter whether if the player had nicked him even slightly or not. I, I, and, you know, many will argue against that and say it's all about the contact. And... I can understand that people will still want the penalties given because across the board, generally, it'll be given. And you need consistency. It's all well and good. I'll argue this point and it won't, you know, it, if hearts don't get given one in the game, I'll be like, well, I can take that because I think that's the real, that's how it should be played. But then if the other team go to the other end and get one for the same thing, I'm going to be annoyed. Like, you have to, there has to be consistency. You have to either give it one way or the other. And I think... And then the problem is, with the O'Connor one, do, do, do you guys think Aluko's going to get punished for it? Well, that was the thing with the O'Connor one. He did get a punishment. He got a two-game ban and then Hibs appealed it and got it uh, retracted. Bizarre. The ridiculous thing was that, that he got retracted because they're saying he, he hadn't dived, didn't they? They ended up, after they yeah. appealed it... But that, that, what made that even more bizarre was Billy Brown was on the, the sports scene <laughs> highlights package yes. saying, yeah, it was a dive. <laughs> exactly. And it was just like, I, I honestly, I've, I actually looked at it again before this for this podcast because I immediately thought of it and I just looked at it and I was like how did they come to the conclusion after they'd come to the conclusion he had dived that he hadn't dived it's like yeah. he quite clearly dives I'm sorry he, he does I mean there's absolutely no doubt about it there was a there was a damning uh, picture that was on in the sun of the, the dive if you like and it was pretty clear that although it's a still picture you could you could tell where the contact was supposed to happen and you could see that there was a clear gap. So for the O'Connor one, I was hoping that there would be something similar for the Aluko, but I just had to go on the, the replays, which weren't ideal. I'm hoping that something does come out to, 
to specifically say, yeah, here's the gap or here there isn't a gap. I think the other interesting thing about this is that the, the Gary O'Connor one and the, the Sonny Loco one, same ref. they've both been the same referee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steve Conroy. So if you're if you know Steve Conroy is going to be refereeing your game, you go down in that box as soon as you get touched. One thing I, I, I wanted to bring up was the fact that yeah, if you if he's the referee, you go into the box, you do a dive. It's it's ridiculous. It's so obvious that he spots it straight away. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You get a you yellow booked. card. Yeah. You get booked. There is no way you'd get a straight red for that. Whereas if you go in, dive, he doesn't realise it's a dive, gives a penalty, it then goes to the review panel, they decide it was a dive, why is it then a potential two-match ban? He, they've been accused of breaching Scottish FA Rule 202. This isn't off the top of my head before you call me really sad. <laughs> um, no player shall cause a match official to make an incorrect decision and or support an error of judgement on the part of a match official by an act of simulation. So I don't know if it's something to do with they've affected the outcome of the game but I, I don't know I understand what you're saying with that that you're saying that retrospective the punishment is more than what you'd given a game but then yeah. you're almost getting punished because the referee didn't yeah yeah it. no I, I get that yeah. I mean the O'Connor one see that's what I was confused about the O'Connor one at first but what I didn't get was afterwards the SFA statement was the fast track tribunal determined the player was fouled and no simulation occurred well that fast track tribunal should be sacked then because if if that's if this is our tribunal, if that, if they're gonna watch that incident, and people can go online and check it again now, maybe someone so disagrees with me, but an incident in which the actual assistant manager of the team has said on TV, yeah, he dived. I can't deny that. Then well, there's no hope, then, is there? If they can watch that, if this amazing tribunal who are gonna make decisions can can look at that incident and say O'Connor was fouled, no simulation occurred, especially after they first of all said they had. I don't know what, what's going yeah. on. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm bemused by that. But what? But then what can you do? See, I I think I think diving should be. I think if someone says, especially winning a penalty. I mean, I know it's difficult because are you saying an offence means more in the box? But then why can't we treat it like that? Why can't you treat it like, you know, if you make a tackle in the middle of the box in the middle of the field and it's a foul, then you don't necessarily get booked, do you? You don't necessarily get a card at all. If you make a tackle when a player's running clean through on goal and there's no one else there, then you get sent off. Unless you're damaged. yeah, you, you've cheated to stop a goal scoring opportunity. Ex- exactly, and you get a red card so, for it. So why should cheating to create a goal scoring opportunity not be punished exactly the same exactly. way? Exactly. Surely you yeah. can take into account where they are in the park because say it's you know well look I mean say it's the the last game the SPL season from either your point of view, whether it's Rangers Celtic, where your team needs to get a win to win the league, or if they don't, they're going to lose the league, and say you're playing whatever team you're playing, Hearts, 90th minute, David Templin goes in the box, and he dives, wins a penalty, and Hearts score, and whoever your team is, Rangers Celtic, lose the league. I mean, that is that is huge. I mean, that is like, you know, that is literally, yeah. it can hinge not only a game, it can hinge a lot on a lot of things. And I don't see why... If that turned out, I would be not. I wouldn't be adverse to even if it was my team. After saying he's got, you know, he's got to be a ban for that. And I think in a game, could that not be a red card? The same way that if he'd went into the box and he was about to score and he got taken out, the defender would be sent off. So surely, if he then tries to con them into potentially getting the defender sent off as well as winning a penalty to possibly change the game, 
I don't think there's any. I would have no problem with that being a red card if someone dives in the box to try and change the outcome of a game. Trying to when you say it like that, it, it does sound a little bit harsh getting sent off, but it does even it up with the yeah. with the review panel. I would have I would have no problem with with diving, especially in a box. I don't know why you can't treat it by situation because we treat fouls, tackles, in terms of where they are, whether it's a goal scoring opportunity. We treat that differently than if it's in the middle of the park. So why not with a dive? I, I would have I would have no issues with with that changing, and I think it would soon stamp it out. If players got a sending off, you know, if players got a red card for for um for diving, I think we'd see a lot less of it very soon. Well, I felt this season that the the SPL uh, they do seem to be cutting down on it uh, or, or attempting to. Maybe it's not working, but I have seen. Quite a few bookings given this season just just for diving, which is something I haven't seen over the the last few years. So to me, it seems like that they're trying the this panel that they've got set up that to to dish out these maybe two match bans and so on. You'd you'd think that would be a deterrent, but for some reason it's not, and maybe that's because the the potential is there to win a match. And maybe that's more important than a two-match ban for an individual player. Yeah, but, but who's got? Has anyone got a two-match ban for it yet, though? Because as we've, no. Connor didn't know. This is the problem. It's, it's just been introduced, and it just complete farce because he didn't get a two-match ban. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's the problem. Connor got away with that one. Everyone else has looked at that and thought, well, if he can get away with that, I can get away with my dive. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. and to be honest, as much as Luco, I think, I hope he does get charged, and I hope, but if anything, to act as a deterrent. But then. When no one's had it before, then Rangers might moan and say, "Well, how can you give him a, you know, how can you give him a suspension when O'Connor did the exact same thing?" And and I can see that that being argued, you know, that well, how can you give him a two-match suspension? You never given anyone else one before, and you decided that O'Connor dived, and then you didn't give him a two-match. So how can and it's got to start somewhere, though, hasn't it? We've got to <laughs> someone's got to get it. Get the first one, don't they? Yeah. Uh, it really should have started with Gary O'Connor, and I think the fact that it hasn't is going to be the, the big defence in uh, Sonia Loco's case. Indeed. Yeah. So does has there been any announcement whether they, they are going to be looking into it other than the, the speculation that's been going around? Alleged simulation can be processed using the SFA's fast-track procedures and compliance officer Vincent Lunny is expected to review the incident. A decision would be made on Monday at the earliest. So, all oh, right, right, okay. We're at Monday at the moment recording this, so nothing, uh, nothing yet. So maybe it's again a, a Luco has done something which so many players have done. I mean, it got obviously as you'd expect, especially because it's a, an old firm player. It got a bit of debate in the forum. Haza started a, a thread on it, saying I had the misfortune of seeing the Luco incident for, uh, I'll say, the Rangers penalty today. <laughs> it's the most plain example of cheating I've ever seen. Nobody, nobody near him when the carrot falls over and cons the ref. Uh, it's embarrassing. He should be ashamed of himself. Fined by the club in the SPL. Should ban the carrot. Um, <laughs> and obviously the debate raged on from there. I mean, there were some, like Japes I mentioned, player runs in the box, defender puts in a challenge, player goes down, penalty. Happens every week in every league on the planet. Even Celtic have been guilty of it. And that's that's my main problem. I don't want to sit in, although Luko did dive, I think he did cheat. It's not like it's uncommon. Celtic have done it. Hearts have done it. I've, I've seen Templeton do it. Loads of teams do it. 
And that's the main problem is it's it's the overall. I think we need to address it as an overall problem. There's no point in saying it. It's you know, and then the conspiracy theory talk starts. It's not conspiracy theory. It's to do with the ref making the wrong decision. It's to do with players' attitude in general that they should be able to go down and get penalties like that. And I mean, I saw you saw it in the Premier League. You know, you saw um, Sebastian Larson for Sunderland. That was horrendous. Dive. <laughs> that was probably the worst dive of the, week- that was, the weekend. <laughs> that was, you know, that that was literally a dive. You know, look, if he had a pool at the other side, then he could have <laughs> put his arms out, and it would have been a a, a nine nine point five. It was like that was, and thankfully, not only did they not capitalise from it, but it actually helped them to lose the game because Wolves went up from from the yeah. penalty and scored at the other end. So. Justice was done in that one. Unfortunately, it's not always the case. So I thought we'd we'd move on and mention the Paul Band charity bet, which I I took on the challenge last week and predicted the the nil nil game of the weekend, and I went to Division Three and chose Queens Park against Peterhead, which unfortunately I got wrong, but. As you know, I'm not very good at predictions, so it was I less, think that was to be expected. It was less wrong than last week. What was it? 1-1, one, one, wasn't it? It was 1-1, one, one, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I managed to uh, speak to Paul, and he's given me his prediction this week, and it is Aberdeen against St Mirren to finish 0-0. We'll hopefully <laughs> get £5 on that. We'll hopefully get some decent odds, and, well, hopefully it wins something for charity. So... Moving on to the predictions for the, the coming games this, this weekend. And all the games are on the Saturday, with the first game being a lunchtime kickoff between Hibs and Rangers. And despite Rangers struggling to score, I'm hoping that they, they turn it round. And, well, as I say, hoping, with my, my blue tinted specs on, I'm going to go for a narrow victory here. I'm going to go for 1-0 to Rangers and hopefully it's a, a goal in open play, and hopefully they, they score it early to, to kind of calm <laughs> Ho- the nerves. And hopefully it's not a horrendous own goal. <sighs> but the way Hibs keepers are, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that again. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna throw the cat among the pigeons here, and um, maybe it's because I'm bad at predicting that subconsciously I just pick Hibs because it maybe in my head means they've got less chance of winning. Uh, no, but I'm actually going to go for a home victory here. I think there's the the curse of the the curse of not certainly the curse. Um, the old uh, new manager comes in and gets a response from the players. I think it might strike again. I think you know Hibs might even have a half full stadium, and <laughs> so they might have a half full East Stand there for the big game. I'm going to go Hibs two Rangers one. Pat Fellin to get off to an incredible start and. And the false sense of optimism returns to Easter Road before it comes crashing down at New Year when the uh, volunteers from from Tynecastle come over to beat them. <laughs> Two one hips. Do you want my stats on this one? Oh, go for it, Chris. Impress us. Right. Of the last five games between the two of them, Hibs haven't scored in four of them. The <laughs> right. one they did score in was a three 0 one at Ibrox. Right. Right. Uh, of the. The last five games, there's been four home wins. Sorry, four away wins. Right. And uh, the last one was the away one. Uh, that was uh, the the one the one nil one in October. I think it was one nil. If it was one nil, that's what I'm going for as well. I think like, Rangers are going to be winning this one nil. 
a sensible prediction there, backed up by facts. <laughs> Compared to Laurie, that was just <laughs> buying the sky was two one. See, I think Laurie, I think you've got a wee soft spot for Hibs. <laughs> you do seem to follow them and and wish them well every week and wish them that they fill their stand or or half fill their stand. <laughs> Oh dear, well, we'll just wait till I give my, my Hearts game predictions, then it'll, it'll really be, the cons- the conspiracy theories will really start then. You should put a bet on that scoreline if you're, if you're confident, I'm, I'm sure you'll confident. get some decent odds. I've got to give you some kind of score, don't I? I didn't say I was confident. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the next game up is Aberdeen against St Mirren, and I'm going to follow Paul Band's lead on this one, because uh, I've got confidence in the boys, he's got his system, and well... I'd like to say it works every week, but it's going to work this weekend. I'm going to go for a nil-nil. Yeah, so am I. Nice I, one, Chris. I think it's one of these... Uh, Aberdeen aren't exactly hitting form at the moment. St Martin have been struggling the last couple of weeks. It's just... There, there is that nil-nil all over it, I think. Even with the, the game in July was a, a narrow one-nil victory for St Martin, So. Yep, make it a trio be as well. I mean... I'm... Can't kind of harm. We've put the, we've put the money on it, so I'd be as well back it. So yeah, nil nil as well, for the reasons everyone else said. <laughs> and the next game up is Celtic against Hearts, which Laurie Laurie will be hoping to get something from this, but <laughs> I suspect that the Hearts won't get anything. I just think that Celtic are are on fire at the moment, despite only scoring one goal at the weekend there. That. They just look like they've they've got it in them to, to score quite a few. I'm going to go for a heavy victory, 3-0 to Celtic. <laughs> Optimistic compared to me, I'm going to go 4-0 Celtic. I think <laughs> things might change in the week. If we get things sorted out, then then maybe. But I just, the players' heads look elsewhere at the moment. And I think Celtic at home look quite dangerous. And I, I never like going to Parkhead. I just, uh, they often can give us a doing. I mean, we, we occasionally have sprung the odd surprise, but I just always think we're getting hammered when we go to Parkhead and I've got a bad feeling that it could happen at the weekend. And if if we are, if Kello tries any more tricks like he did at the, the game against St. Johnson, then I think Celtic will be just as, just as clinical. So 4-0 Celtic, probably the, Unfortunately, Stokes will probably score a couple. And, uh, it'll be brilliant. Yeah, 4-0. <laughs> Come on, Chris, are we going to win? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I'm not as uh, optimistic as the two of you are. I'm, I've gone for 2-1. I think... I take that. I'm not, I, don't, I still don't have the, the 100% confidence in our defence at the moment, but I think we'll probably outscore you. You think? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd bite your hand off for 2-1 right now. <laughs> Go. I think Celtic. I think they're doing well at the back, uh, recently anyway. I think it's it's very easy to to go back to the start of the season. But they've had quite a few good, decent performances, despite the obviously the Europa League there. But yeah. I, I mean the Dunfermline goal well, ten days ago or whatever it was is was the kind of we fell asleep, and I think they're they're a bit prone to doing that. Aye. So I, I think I, I could see it being two 0 and then being a a two one narrow victory at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So the the next game up is Dunfermline against Kamarnock and I can't see past Kamarnock for this one. I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory to Kelly. I'm going to go 3-2. Kamarnock, I think both teams pretty suspect at the back. I mean, Kelly kept a clean sheet at the weekend, but I mean, to be honest, who couldn't keep a clean sheet against Aberdeen? 
Um, so <laughs> that's not exactly achievement, is it? Uh, both teams, I don't think, are the best defensively. They both seem to pull up a lot of high-scoring games. I think Kamarik may be edge at James Dayton coming back as well. It's good to see him back. He looks quite, quite an entertaining player. So I'm going to go 3-2, Kelly. Yeah, I think I've gone for goals with this one as well. I think it's going to be 3-1 to Kelly. 3-1, right. And the next match is Inverness against Dundee United. And I would expect Dundee United to play a lot better than they did at the weekend there. Maybe playing away from home will, will suit them a little bit better. But I still think Inverness are going to have too much for them because I just think I, I've been impressed with Inverness over the last few weeks. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory to Inverness. I'm going to go 1-0 Inverness. Uh, United don't seem to have a lot going forward at the moment. Inverness, as we've said many a times, often playing better than what the scoreline suggested. So I think they don't have a, a whole lot of goals in them, but I think they'll do enough to edge it. So I'm going to go 1-0 Inverness. Yeah, I'm clean sweep here. I think it's going to be a 2-1 victory for Inverness. I think they've probably got a, a, a good confidence boost out of that winning uh, against St Mirren. Uh, and I know it might be odd for a Celtic fan to say this, but I quite like having Inverness in the SPL. So I'll, I'll quite happily see them off the bottom. In fact, it would be even nicer if Ross County can come up from the, the first division and we can have a Highland Derby next season. Yeah, did I not, did I not read that uh, Ross County were making steps to improve their stadium? Yeah, yeah, I think I did the same thing. Yeah, and and done what nine points clear at the top of the first division at the moment. Yeah, ah, it's it's, it's looking good. good. Yeah, definitely. But you have to because although they reduced the ten, it's still six thousand you have to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's six thousand. Yeah. So they, I don't. I think, think they, they just need to put. It's just seats or something they need to put in. I think. Danny, who's uh, who's um, obviously been on before, is Celtic fan. He's he he loves going for as well. I don't know why. I I've never went. I have to admit, I've I've not been to the Caledonian Stadium. Yeah, I just. I can't be bothered with the trip, to be honest. <laughs> I quite like the trip. It's frustrating. It's very hard to get tickets for it. It's, it's bad enough having to go around the corner at Tynecastle to watch Hearts game. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to Inverness and get beat. At least when it's here, it doesn't take long to get home. So the next matchup is St. Johnson against Motherwell. And two teams who are, are riding high in the, the league, but I think St Johnston are the, the team in form, so I'm going to go for a, a victory for, for them, and I'm going to go for a 3-2 victory. I'm going to go with the same margin, slight less goals. I'm going to go 2-1 St Johnston. Very impressed with them at Tyne Castle, and as Frugal, as Frugal likes to point out, again, the focus was on Hart's um, deficiencies, but St Johnston were very well organised, and and that was without, you know, your 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 man your man at this up front, but I think oh, I, I... it's a tough one to call because Motherwell tend to be better away from home, and so does St Johnston, don't they? So it's quite, <laughs> I, I, you tend to maybe lean towards Motherwell, but I fancy St Johnston just now under Lomas. Um, I'm going to go two one, two one St Johnston. Although I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it ended in a draw. Yeah, I've, I've I've gone with the, the two one edging of uh, St Johnston as well. I think, although St Mar St Johnston, I'm nearly doing it now. St Mirren, <laughs> no St Johnston, <laughs> they won uh, they they won three 0 against Motherwell earlier in the, the season yeah. at uh, Fir Park. So that was quite a big result at the time. Uh, I think Motherwell have started to stumble just a wee bit at the moment, and I mean they were obviously one 0 down to Hibs when the the game got abandoned. They drew nothing each with Dundee United. It's just it's almost like they're just getting through a wee sticky patch at the moment, and 
I'm not sure they want to be playing St. Johnson at the moment. I think the, the kind of sticky patch is inevitable when people start mentioning that they are challengers for the, the title. I know we're, we're going back a few weeks now, but I think I think that's still going to be playing in their mind that there's there's that, that bit of expectation from not just their own fans, but from the country. That's That's got to be a lot of pressure to take, especially when you're not used to it. So... I thought I'd, I thought I'd mention what happened with the forum during the week because unfortunately on Tuesday I had asked for some extra memory to be added to the server to to try and make it a little bit more stable, try and future proof it a little bit, and the change was made and unfortunately it struggled to return, and well there was it came back Tuesday, and it was it was live for large parts of Tuesday and then Tuesday evening it really started going wrong and I battled with the server for a couple of days and on Friday I think I made the decision that since if the forum didn't look like it was going to be coming back in its current state I purchased a, a brand new server for it which is much more powerful than the, the one it was on and that went live on Saturday morning so well, I have to apologise, really, because it's it, it wasn't ideal that the, the server was down for so long. It wasn't ideal that it it wasn't up for people to make their predictions for the game on Friday evening. It's not good enough. But I think it was Chris says that it was it was it was a nice coincidence that the the game got abandoned. <laughs> yeah, that's <that's> actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have any part in that. <laughs> no, but, not at all. No. No. Uh, that's a silly, yeah, that's a silly uh, term, future proof, isn't it? How can you be? Oh like, yeah, I, I thought I'd heard that as well. Future proof. That's, that's no, it's, it's, bingo it is, that right there. It is a term, but is this, this was you. It's like I'm going to make this future proof. What? So it's what? It, it, it's it's protected from the future. It's, what it's, was, something's waterproof. Uh, it means it's, it's protected from war. <laughs> but you can't protect something from the future. And I'm not blaming you, Craig, because it is a term. I know, but it just it just is a silly one. I think. We're going to make this future proof. A little bit of the, the Terminator when Arnie comes back from the future, protecting yourself from the future. You've seen a DeLorean. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it was unfortunate that the, the forum was actually running quite well on the server. The server wasn't being taxed too much. I just thought that I would purchase extra memory for it and I actually doubled it. And then that's when the problem started. But now since the server came back up on Saturday morning, it's been running like a dream. And hopefully it's going to continue like that. So if you're not a member already, you can join using your Twitter account or your Facebook account if you visit forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk and you can join the banter with me, Laurie and Chris. And there's other people as well. There's not. There's, 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 at least, there's at least one or two other people. You know, there's there's at least yeah. <laughs> if you join, you can you can join in the banter with a uh, Japester. That that'd be get some good banter with him. Hazy. Uh, there's, there's quite there's quite a few there. Hazy and his alter egos. Well, there's just one for now, but there's just one for now. But I'll I'll see how long it takes. <laughs> yeah. Come on to the forum and spend a few hours trying to work out the Hazy backstory. <laughs> or just send me a PM and I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't think I've worked it out yet. <laughs> no, either is he. I'll get turned into a, <laughs> I'll get turned into a book sometime. That'll tell the whole story. <laughs> yeah. Right, so that brings us to the, the end of the podcast. 
So thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks again. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Right, cheers. And Laurie, thanks once again. Not a problem. And uh, I don't want to say too much, but there's some plans in place for uh, a special, maybe something special at Christmas, maybe something special at New Year as well. Maybe some turkey and some <laughs> drink involved. Plenty, plenty of turkeys and Scottish football, I'm sure we could <laughs> So I was leaving it as a bit of a cliffhanger. Ah, I see, I see what you're doing there, sorry. <clears throat> I'll edit that. <laughs> right, so thanks a lot, guys. No problem. Right, cheers. See you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. Bye.